Welcome to the Helping Hands podcast with me, Gail Louise Turner. On this podcast, I will be chatting to inspirational people and I will be finding out about their life story, their influences and how they give that extra helping hand every day. If you'd like to follow me, please go to my Facebook, which is Gail Louise Turner or on my Instagram, which is Gail GLT. Each episode of the Helping Hands podcast will be having an accompanying Spotify playlist with my guest musical influences. This can be found under Helping Hands podcast playlist on Spotify. Now it's time to sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Okay, so it's Monday morning, the 16th of January, 2023. I've got the lovely Andy Venables here this morning. So welcome to Series 4, Episode 2, another inspirational guest this morning on the Helping Hands podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself, Andy? Um, So tell me why you're here today and what you do. Morning, Gail. So I'm Andy Venables. So I'm uh, Managing Director of Hills Green. So we're a agricultural marketing agency, um, helping those businesses that are looking to connect with farmers or equally those farmers that are looking to uh, diversify and, and connect with consumers. Lovely. So so looking at your your LinkedIn profile and, and, and a little bit of research about yourself, you are a very much um, a people person. But looking um, at the, the bigger picture there, you um, um, you know, you are in the business field as well. And um, I, I'm just trying to find out here. So as a person and as a business, I, I would like to know how you actually do give back to um, the agricultural and dairy farming, because it seems at the moment there's so many problems facing dairy farming and agriculture in 2023. So at the moment we've got looking at the bigger picture, we've got um, avian flu in uh, 2023. There's so many cases been found and reported according to the government.uk website we've got the covid pandemic also we've got co2 emissions we've got the shortage of milk and um produce we've got climate change the methane gas um supplier issues at the food shortage at the dairy farming and agricultural level and obviously going through the um supplier and the um supermarkets also we've got the sustainability issue and um also um the the milk shortage so how how as a business and a person do you actually deal with these sorts of situations i think just what you, you've covered just a, a few challenges that are, are facing the agricultural sector at the minute um and it is tough um you know particularly at the minute with the war in ukraine and it's pushing the input prices up further which is what we're seeing in terms of um price of food going up in, in the supermarkets and, and I suppose the biggest challenge is the supermarkets trying to keep that price of food as, as low as possible and therefore it's being squeezed down the supply chain and and uh, those that are struggling the most seems to be the farmers and uh, it, is, it is a real challenge. I suppose looking with a, a positive mindset is we all do need to eat and I think the one thing that the Ukraine uh, war has um, focused minds, particularly at government level, around food security. Um, so th- there is a positive positive message and positive um, mindset to take when looking at f- uh, farming. 
but it is a challenge you know 365 days a year whatever the weather um farmers out there day in day out trying to uh, produce good quality food for for the consumers and i think the biggest challenge as a result of that to farmers is farming can be quite lonely you talked about the pandemic they continued to to work throughout all of that um and i suppose we, we've been talking about mental health more and more over the last um few years in general but i think only really uh, a farmer's starting to open up and the and the real challenges that are facing uh facing them and, and agriculture so uh something that that we we've done as a business is um we work very closely with farming charities such as uh, the fcn and rabi uh donating um last year over three and a half thousand to to fcn and and they've got a team of volunteers out throughout the country trying to help farmers uh just be someone there to to talk to and help help them get through uh, challenges and problems that they're facing so recently you've you've just uh, visited oxford and you've gone to the, the the oxford conference um great place for you to go uh, great training ground, great uh, place for like-minded people like yourself, um, actually building them behaviours. Um, like-minded people, you've been able to talk um, to, to people and um, with the same behaviours of you, having them, um, them building conversations to try and solve them problems and having fun in the process. And, and I bet you um, all them um, PowerPoint presentations and talking about, um, uh, you know, them subjects that you work with day to day and, and, and having fun with it. Um, how was that for you, the conference in Oxford? It, it was great. Thanks, Gail. And I think um, it, you have um, people attending there from farmers to processors to retailers all coming together to, to look at um, agriculture for for the uk and what's the the future look like and i think the key themes that seem to be coming out at the minute is is all around looking at biodiversity the environment and 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 sustainability and and really how do we um as an industry start moving towards one one thing that we are doing is moving towards almost like climate friendly food so really looking at how we're you know uh, reducing our impact on the environment and um, and reducing sort of carbon emissions to still produce high quality good food. That's really good, and I think um, you've just had an extra helping hand with that as well, isn't the, the um, I think on the thirteenth of January, the government's just given a bit of a grant to help with sustainability as well, which is a really really good news for the farmers out there who are who are interested in sustainability. Yeah, and I think. Um, the government are looking at ways to to support farmers from that point of view, but it's at the same time they are reducing what they call the basic payment scheme, which is almost the subsidy that farmers got paid for producing food um, when we were in the European Union. So I suppose it's it's still trying to get that level of support, but the government are trying to get you to uh, look at more of an environmental and sustainability agenda. And the hard thing is for those smaller far family farms and perhaps the the uphill um, sort of sheep farmers um, that they really do um, rely on that subsidy. And I think as that subsidy has been reduced, they're now having to look at 
what else they can do to to just make a living I think because because obviously we've come out of the EU now and obviously we face a COVID pandemic we um as consumers and the general public um unless we we are delved down into dairy farming we we don't realize the problems that we face um coming out of the EU and, and what we have to do differently to, to be able to solve them problems so there is a lot of thinking and decision um making so I guess for the dairy farmers that grant will really really help that well, it, it will help. I mean, that's a, it's a small grant compared to others that um, that that are available. I suppose the biggest thing you mentioned coming out of the EU, and I suppose what the government's able to do is is strike up their own trade deals. And from a PR exercise, they've, in, I believe, they've been too hasty with some of the deals that they've already struck, particularly around Australia and New Zealand. Um, and and the and the trade deal is far more in in agriculture's favour for those countries than it is is it is in Britain. And I think they're you're seeing that actually we can start importing more food. Where really, you know, the, as I said earlier, the war in Ukraine has has meant that if we're not careful, you could have empty shelves in the supermarket. So you've really got to invest in uh, in homegrown food and, and and working towards being more um sustainable as a country okay so um so you do believe in putting your people first um by building and developing your team so if people want to follow you where would they go if they want to see your work and and and, um and how you can do this yeah so um follow the main main company uh website um and uh social media handles so uh, we're at hills green hq uh, I'm on uh, on Twitter and LinkedIn, uh, Andy underscore uh, Venables, and I just I suppose if it, if it go into my career quite briefly, is that um, I'm a I suppose born and bred on a dairy farm in Cheshire, um, always grown up in and around agriculture, um, but um, when it was coming to sort of sixteen to eighteen and deciding what I was going to do as a career. Um, should probably best said that um, milking cows and driving tractors wasn't my biggest skill set, although I could do it. I was more the butt of jokes on uh, on the farm. But what I did uh, really enjoy was actually the business side and running it as a, as a business, looking at the data, looking at how we're going to improve efficiencies on farm. Uh, and that led me to stud business. And then I, I sort of fell into marketing as a career. I did a placement as part of that degree and and really enjoyed it and um, started working for a digital marketing agency in 2010 uh, in Manchester. It was a startup business coming off the back of the recession uh, in 2008, 2009. So there was four of us when we started uh, and we grew that business um, up to probably 25 when I, I left in 2016. Um, and as you mentioned you know, I'm a big people person and a big part of my job was was building that team, leading the team, developing the team. Um, and I suppose just to, to bring it back into to where we are today. So I left there in 2016. I wanted to get back more involved in the family farming business, um, but wanted to diversify, you know, and add a, an additional, I suppose, uh, revenue stream uh, into the business and I thought why don't I combine my two passions with with agricultural and marketing and and uh, in 2018 officially set up Hills Green as a an agricultural marketing agency uh, and now we're 
team of, of 12 um, with uh, large growth ambitions. And I think coming back to helping others, we, we really want to try and make a difference to agriculture. We really want to raise its profile and stop it being seen as uh, sort of these older farmers with a, a piece of straw hanging out of their their mouth and their, you know tatty jeans tiled up with bale string. There is so much opportunity in agriculture to people to get involved in in food production and so much technology coming into this sector that it really needs a, a good business out there promoting what we're doing. So that's what what we're doing at Hills Green and, and by bringing people into the business, I want to help people reach their potential in, in their marketing career. So we have a, a real mix of people that have come from either an agricultural background or, or different walks of life, because I think it's really important that when we're pitching ideas to clients, that we're not too tunnel visioned in terms of we only know agriculture. We need to learn on um, learn off other the other industries in terms of what works and what doesn't. But looking um, back at um, your your um, original career plan, so obviously you you, you studied um, at Eton Bank, so Congleton. Um, you started your career at Bounty. You mentioned the marketing and PR there, and um, you did charitable trust. Going back to to Hillsborough, looking at the mission statement across the board and your values, you seem to seem to be living the values and putting people first. And um, do you feel it's important to to live in the values and, and putting your people first and actually getting to know your um, your colleagues and your team to be able to deliver them values? And do you feel it's important to get to know them to be able to bring them with you and um, and have you ever um, had and come across those difficult situations where you've had to, um, you know, performance manage people because you just haven't had the values? Have you ever had to have them difficult conversations? Yeah, I have, Gail. And I think uh, still for me, every day is a school day. I've learned a tremendous amount through the uh, businesses that I've I've worked for. And I think... Yeah, business can have an aspiration in terms of where they want to get to. And um, particularly from a, it tends to be from a financial perspective, you know, what turnover or levels of profit that they want to hit. But what I always challenge clients and, you know, obviously do it ourselves is why is that business in business? Why do you get up in the morning? Why do you do what you do? I think. You know, it's very easy to say what you do or, or how you do it. And there's a guy, American guy called Simon Sinek, um, that has this uh, sort of talk about the power of why. I think it's a lot harder to say that emotional level, why you do what you do. You know, and, and for us, it's all about we really want to make a difference to agriculture. We want to help connect agriculture. And um I suppose that's really what drives it. Yes, we've got growth on aspirations and, and financial targets, but I suppose if we if we really focus on our purpose and 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 therefore our our vision, our mission and, and, and getting the the right values set in the business, we can move towards that purpose and therefore the financial results will come. So it's a bit of a long-winded answer, but if if the business is clear on that and clear on the type of people needed to deliver it 
then it is so so important so right through to recruitment we we really take our time you know as a growing business you're sort of always looking for new team members and quite you know want to employ people quite quickly but it's um the age-old thing where you should really be hiring slowly and, and firing fast if if you have got somebody that's um not the right sort of value set so we would take start initially with a um a zoom or a phone interview where they would meet with our office manager and that whole interview is all around cultural fit we d- we don't really go into too much detail around skill set it's understanding their background but really trying to ask those questions to see if they align with our our values and only then would we take it through to a formal uh, face-to-face interview or um, sort of like a final pitch interview and we also use um, personality profiling which I think is is important some people can be um, a bit wary of it but I suppose if you do a personality profile, it allows you to understand that person a bit better and how they like to operate. Mm. And I suppose more importantly, what what comes natural to them in their flow. So, for example, you could have some real creative people that actually find dealing with the detail and almost like going through spreadsheets quite challenging. So you wouldn't want to put them in a very detail orientated job and and likewise, someone where you, you require attention to detail, you wouldn't want somebody that is really creative and, and, and not so good at the detail. So I think that's important. Um, and then you only really know whether the person's going to work out as when you start working in the business. And I think when I was um, thinking about chatting to you today, so obviously I know the bigger picture with you and obviously I've kept your secret on this. So I know that I've been keeping your secret and you've been quite vocal about this your 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 cancer diagnosis that um and I know you've spent some time at Christie um and obviously you've 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 been very very poorly and I'm so glad you're here today and obviously you've you've still kept working and um you've run your your farm and you've got a lovely wife and and three children of course and and that was a shock to the system for all of us and, and yourself and having the right team behind you and obviously um in business and 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 um, personal life you need that in any business and personal life to be able to 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 do anything and I think for yourself as a recruiter and marketer it's it's so hard when you have problems and illnesses to to run data life or business life you do need the right people behind you to to um to to do and carry on so so how has that affected you would you say yeah, you're right, Gail. I mean, in terms of when something comes left field like uh, a cancer diagnosis, it uh, you do need good people around you, and I'm very lucky from friends, family, and 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 work colleagues that I have had some very good people around me. And I think the other thing is I was I was really driven to build this business and and grow it, and we invested, you know, heavily in in sort of senior team. Uh, members in the last sort of probably 12 to 18 months so when I got diagnosed last May yes it was it was a shock and um, it definitely was not in my 2022 plan but um, I had some very good people around me and a lot of good came out of it 
um, in terms of, you know, me being out of the business allowed the team members to step up and, um, and, and equally, I suppose now I'm starting to return back to work officially, although like you say, I have been working behind the scenes. I'm now trying to carve my new role in the business rather than literally just jumping straight back into almost the day-to-day. For us to grow, I need to be a little bit removed from the day-to-day. So by me being out last year and being forced to be out due to uh, treatment, um, it's now putting me in a better place. Well, I'm so glad you're here. And um, I think we all, we are, you know, you know, we're so glad that you're here. So thank you for, for doing this today. So now this is a positive bit. Now, as you know, I love music and I love influences. So I'm going to ask you now quickly what your influences are before we get on to the music, because this is the bit that I like. So, so influences and um, your inspirational people. Well, that's uh, that's quite a question. Um influences so I, I mean I'm, I'm i'm really starting to get into podcasts over the last uh couple of years and i suppose my my two go-to podcasts are uh stephen bartlett's diary of a ceo or um uh, jake humphrey's uh high performance podcast good man um, i definitely resonate very much with with those two guys particularly from steve from stephen's perspective he's He's come from a marketing background. He built social chain. Um, and I think that, you know, he has got an incredible story. So from Hills Green's perspective, I do I do look at that to, as inspiration. I think other things are, I run a conference called Cultivate, which is all around um, a leadership and um, I suppose business management um conference for the rural and agri sector and we had um our conference in may it was three days after i'd been diagnosed and uh there's a guy that we had speaking called marcus child um he's an incredible sort of motivator and and business speaker and it's probably quite poignant because of what i was going through but he talked about um almost like if this is this is it. If this is life, let's just throw the kitchen sink at it um, and talked about having a very clear picture um, about what you want to achieve in, in life. And I don't know, like I say, perhaps because it's what I was going through, but um, I really do um, take a lot of um, inspiration from, from guys like him and, and equally other sort of either farmer business entrepreneurs in terms of those people that have taken risks and and grown their business and I suppose on a more well-known scale I think people like Richard Branson um, I I follow quite a lot because I think again when he was building the Virgin Group he was uh, he was quite bold in in what he did because he has dyslexia is that right he does yes yeah 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 and then obviously even with with obviously that um superpower he's 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 obviously built the the virgin network and you know everybody uses his train so he's a you know a very inspirational man so very yeah close. i think uh, claire my wife would often like if i was going to read she would often like challenge me why aren't you reading fiction but i just love reading about um business books and and other people's stories and 
and yeah I don't know maybe that's just what makes me tick very very good so um as you know um each of my um inspirational guests all choose five spotify songs to accompany their story so you sent me yours so if you go to spotify and search for gail louise turner helping hands podcast playlist series four episode two and venables you've come up with some song choices here so your first one is she's electric by oasis which would be um 90s Britpop. so why have you chosen this one Oh, I don't know. We're, um, I suppose, growing up in the 90s, just outside Manchester, you can't not like Oasis, can you? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a song that reminds me of uh, of, of growing up. And um, yeah, I don't know. Even now, like we, we listen to Oasis quite a bit and, uh, and, and the, got the kids into it now. So they uh, they're there singing away fantastic choice i think everybody from our generation loves a bit of brit pop and there was always that bit of rival between blur and oasis and uh, i think um oasis won that one sorry blur um faithless <laughs> insomnia great dance track from the 90s why have you chosen this one um yeah you you will see that i have quite a um a real mix of music taste but yeah insomnia that just reminds me of when i was at uni in in huddersfield um yeah if, if ever like my mates wanted to try and get me uh out for a night out all they have to do is play faithless insomnia and uh yeah i'll be out there like a shot so it's just a bit of my uh my go-to uh dance tune and uh and something that was quite um my mates associated with me really good song that is so this is a little bit more modern so dan- dance from the early 2000 era so we have dance with you by ollie Mers. <laughs> I forgot I put that one down. Um so um when me and my wife got married in 2012, we um yeah uh, well, we weren't into sort of like the, the, the lovey dovey first dance, so we decided to do a bit of a Mickey take and we uh we uh, we chose this song so uh so I sang this. I remember I was there. It was I, I loved your wedding actually. It was really good. Um I remember the floor and I remember it was such a good night. And where where was the wedding? Can you, I can't remember where it was, but I remember dancing on the dance floor with you all. Yeah, yeah, we had a marquee wedding. That was it. Fantastic. See, marquee weddings are really, really good. I'm glad you had a good night. Um 2012, my gosh, that that that's like how many years, Andy? That that is a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be, it'd be eleven years this year. Okay, so now this, I'm glad you've chose this next one. So from the fantastic musical Greatest Showman, from now on, why have you chosen this one? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I really like the the, uh, the the musical or the movie, whatever you like to put it. And I suppose growing up, I was always quite involved in um, amateur dramatics and, and theatre stuff. So I, I sort of got an interest in that sort sort of music and i just think the messages that come from that uh that show uh are so poignant and and that that song i don't know it's just a little bit like i suppose sometimes you can get wrapped up in what you're doing and 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 actually forget to think about those people that really matter Mm -hmm. and um yeah it's just one of those songs that just uh get you to to remind you actually who's who's really important in your in, in your life I think I, th- I think you're right there. So it comes when when things go wrong, you you realise who 
the most important people are and you tend to flock to them and you realize don't you and I think your family are and your close friends and I think when you realize that I think that's the most important thing so you're absolutely right there so your last choice eye of the tiger why have you chosen this one? Oh well I've always loved this tune and um yeah I played it quite a lot last year um going through uh what I was going through and I, I don't know I, I <laughs> if I'd got some whether it's a big uh speaking gig or something big at work or whatever I'd always it'd be my go-to tune on the drive there um but yeah last year it was uh you know when I was going through some tough times with the chemo and stuff it would be like that I'd just put I have a tiger on so um we've got like basically a nine minutes 12 now so I'm going to ask you about your, your growth plans um so personally and professionally now and um how did you feel um ringing the bell at the end of your cancer treatment yeah I felt it was good to ring the bell so I started my cancer treatment at, um midway through July and I finished it um thirtieth of September. Um and I remember we'd been on holiday in Wales and uh my family stayed there as I got the train to come back to start my treatment in Manchester and it was quite a grueling treatment. So I was in uh the Christie for five days at a time. Um and at that point thinking that I got another 10 weeks of treatment it was really I don't know you just couldn't see any light at the end of the tunnel um but like anything you keep persevering and, and you get through there and um I suppose ringing the bell it was great to ring the bell but that was when I really felt at my worst you know I'd had so much chemo pumped into me I then slept pretty much for two weeks after that I wasn't wasn't very well at all so I suppose I I saw when I go back went to see my consultant in December that was more of a uh, a, a success because because um, I felt more normal um, so so yeah that that's only a small part really I think it's just um, I've seen it as a bit of a life reset it's a tap on the shoulder to to remind you that you're not invincible um, and to make sure that you focus on uh, the people that you care a lot about and you love and um and and don't really need to get you shouldn't be getting stressed about things that don't matter um but it has given me definitely a rocket to really see what we can do with with hills green and, and the business because as i said before we don't we only get one shot at it so let's uh let's see what we can do so final part in comment with five minutes to go part in comment um i think uh, from what what i'm doing is i think have a real uh strong picture and, and vision in terms of what you want to achieve in your life whether that's personally or whether that's from a career point of view um and and really and really go after it and just have fun you know life's too short yeah, you've got to. You might, someone said to me the other day, you might be here for a short time, you might be here for a long time, but whatever you do, spend the time that you're here doing something that you love and that you enjoy. Thank you.
thank you very much for doing this for me today. I really appreciate it. And I love hearing your story. And um, I forgot about your musical theatre, actually. I'm, I'm glad you've told me that. So you've made me smile. So I, I tell you what, I think um, we've got a very creative family here, which is which is really nice to hear. So um, we're all um, uh, musical. So it's it's really nice to hear and creative and um, business minded. So that's nice, isn't it? Yeah, good. Very no, good. it's all good. Very lucky. Very good. Anyway, have a fantastic day and I will see you very um, soon. Have a fantastic day. Thanks, Gail. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.